everyone. In the following podcast, you'll hear the edited audio of Sienna's live Instagram interview with educator and historian Fiona Compton. Fiona is the creator behind Instagram platform Know Your Caribbean and aims to tell marginalised histories of underrepresented groups. Want to learn more about how you can promote inclusive history? Fiona gets us caught up. I hope you enjoy. Hi. Hey. <laughs> how are you? I'm really good, thank you. I'm really excited for today. How are you? Doing I'm great. great. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Excuse the makeup. I just came from a shoot, so I'm, I'm having more makeup than normal. How was the shoot? It was great. It was great. It was uh, with uh, Notting Hill and um, Samsung. And um, it was just because they, they were doing this campaign. Um, and it was going to be uh, displayed in, at, uh, well, it's this being displayed now in Piccadilly Circus on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was, we had to like do some pictures first. I had to be up for like three o'clock this morning <laughs> to get ready. Uh-huh. But all is well in this land. Yes. But you know, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, are you right to get started? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so to someone who hasn't seen your work or experienced what you do, you want to just introduce yourself and what you do in art and education? Absolutely. Um, so my name is Fiona Compton. I am an artist and historian, more specifically a Caribbean historian. Um, I run a platform called Noya Caribbean, and it's, specific, it's specifically about Caribbean um, history and culture. So that's, that's its principal focus. So within that, um, I'm an official ambassador for Notting Hill Carnival, I also facilitate um, workshops um, for adults and kids. Like, I just did a session um, with a, another company about teaching them the history of carnival. So that's like mm-hmm. kind of like all of what I do. Wonderful. Um, so to someone who's not sure what character history means, do you want to just expand on what that looks like for your work? For Caribbean history, um, I think because, you know, when we speak about um, Black history, um, it's there's very little focus on um, Caribbean history itself. So when I talk about Caribbean history, talking about history of not just Jamaica, but history of Trinidad, history of uh, Haiti, history of Cuba. I think also when we speak about Caribbean history, we don't speak about like the Dutch Caribbean, the French Caribbean, the Spanish Caribbean, um, and you know also in terms of these representations, it's you know we don't speak about the Chinese Cubans, we don't speak about you know, the Asian Guyanese. We don't speak about, um, you know, the the uh, German Haitians. You know, there's, like, we're so diverse and dynamic. Um, and I feel like all of these things are really, really important. And then within Caribbean history too, it's like, you know, the narrative of slavery is um, speaking about, um, you know, just it, it, it's kind of um, very one-dimensional in terms of they just talk about, you know, we have been whipped and beaten for 400 years and, you know, and then there was emancipation, hooray, and then that was it. But, you know, the fact is, is that, you know, there were rebellions all the time. There was resistance all the time. And a lot of the things that we enjoy um, within Black culture, Caribbean culture, is a result from resistance against against oppression from slavery. So all of these things that was what we talk about um, within New York Caribbean in, in terms of teaching and stuff like that, and shifting that narrative of, you know, we came from slavery and then that was it. And then we had independence, but there's so much more to, to us. Definitely. And um, I'd love to expand on, on that about shifting the narrative and how you're doing that within Instagram and within online projects. 
So how did you, obviously you're speaking to me like through your Instagram account mm-hmm. and through that platform. And how did that kind of serve the goals of shifting the narrative, creating um, narrative for marginalized voices um, within your work as an educator and historian? Um, absolutely. I think like within Loya Caribbean, it's like, it's about understanding. It's not that people don't care about history. I think it's just how history is presented. So for example, Know Your Caribbean, if you head to the page, you'll find like a piece of uh, dance hall music juxtaposed alongside a piece of writing from the 17th century. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think not everyone likes to learn through books. Not everyone likes to um, learn through like, you know, the, like the traditional academia. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we don't care. It's just that not everyone responds to that in the same way. And also looking at how things are in kind of like modern society now, we don't have time. People don't have time to read. Like when someone posts on Instagram, like if it's too long, people start to zone out afterwards. So you have to give people things in short palatable books. So I think, you know, just kind of giving history a modern spin an accessible spin, a palatable spin, um, you know, um, in that digestible bus has been like most effective. And also kind of thinking about your use of language, like, you know, I will have something where it would be so-and-so is like a bad girl or this was gangster or this kind of thing. I'm not going to, you wouldn't really find me saying, you know, in the 1500s, the Spanish Armada commenced this journey. Of the like, yo, no, no listen. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not that way. So I think that's how people can relate to, um, what it is that I'm trying to do. So definitely, I think that's super empowering as well for people who don't, as you say, learn um, in a certain way from mainstream education, and then you go into those environments and present them with a different um, narrative. And that's kind of what I wanted to speak about next um, in terms of w- what your creative process is like when you're going in and delivering workshops, for example. Okay. Um, changing the narrative. Like, what does that look like for you as an artist and historian um, in terms of your creative process and providing those resources that are very unconventional? Well, I, I, when I do workshops, um, I don't really change the workshops for who I'm um, like. So I would have some um, prepared um, slideshows and stuff, which will have, I like to, because I'm an artist, um, I I respond well to visuals and I feel like people will, or you'll be drawn into if I'm showing you videos and music and pictures and stuff like that. So even if I'm doing, because I've done workshops for like um, very corporate stuff, like um, for banks, um, and, and things like that, which you can think is like the, um, the epitome of what is corporate. I am still going to be like playing soca music in my presentation. I'm still going to be like, you know, speaking about job, like dirty mass and all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you like a curated version of what it is that I'm putting forward to you going to learn the fundamentals. I think when you're doing workshops, um, obviously you have to know how to respond, um, to your audience, but I don't, I don't essentially dumb it down because I, I feel like we shortchange ourselves so much from dumbing ourselves down to kind of create this kind of like commercial, uh, palatable version of ourselves. And I feel we have shortchanged ourselves. So I, I don't do that. So in terms of my creative process, I just want to make it as fun, um, accessible, um, engaging, colorful, um, you know, heartfelt, 
um, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of like how my process goes. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's really interesting. Thanks. Um, and also inspiring for people who maybe want to do a, do a similar thing with their artwork. Um, all right. So you said that you've just been at a shoot for Notting Hill. Yeah. Um, and obviously Notting Hill. My lashes are so long. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, this, it's coming up this weekend, um, Notting Hill Carnival. So just want to tell us a bit more about what you do as an ambassador for the carnival. Okay, yes. Yeah, so doing it, um, it's been an ambassador to do things like this. Um, but also, like, you know, in terms of delivering workshops, I've done a few lives on, on the, the Nottingham Carnival platform where we did, like, a history of... We, we're doing, like, a cooking session. So, like, um, learning about Caribbean cuisine and history at the same time. So if you're, you're cooking saltfish, like, you like, the history of saltfish. Um, mm -hmm. But just within that, an ambassador, I think for... For me, for my role specifically, I try to encourage people to participate, not just spectate, and, mm -hmm. you know, to kind of understand the meaning of what carnival is. Once you understand the meaning of, of what carnival is, it just adds to your experience. It doesn't take away. And I feel like um, it's not just a two-day party. That Calling it a two-day street party is a huge injustice. And so, yeah, so that's that's what I do as an ambassador is to as as a historian because we have loads of different ambassadors some are musicians some are masquerade makers and so on but at me as a historian I've taken upon the role of kind of encouraging people to understand the meaning and context of carnival in a in a fun way sure um, and looking at that uh, meaning of carnival and how it may be often overlooked by um, somebody who just wants to spectate as you say rather than participate um, tell us more about the like the Dutty Mass tradition of carnival and what that means to you. Okay, yeah, Dutty Mass is amazing. I think it's one of my favorite parts of carnival. It's all great to get all dolled up and everything, but um, Dutty Mass is a transition from, from one life into the next. So um, the history behind it is that um, during slavery, um, a lot of the times the enslaved had to go down to the fields to put out um, like cane fires, so field fires, the cane fields would be on, on fire, sometimes in the middle of the night, they'd have to wake up to go and put out the fires. And it was something that was one of the most arduous things that they hated so much to be disturbed from their peace, to go and put out, to save the very thing that enslaved you, okay? So um, when, you know, the announcement of emancipation happened, the enslaved went down to the cane fields and then they covered themselves with molasses, they lit torches, um, and then they decided to, to sing and dance and go into a procession. Because within carnival, within, um, you know, uh, the period of, of enslavement, you know, there were different, there were different slave codes. So slave codes were the different laws that would stipulate what you could and could not do within the colonies. So they had mm -hmm. things like, you can't sing, you can't dance, you can't play instruments, you couldn't blow blow the conch shell, you couldn't beat the drum. So yeah. um, you couldn't gather in, in groups of more than six. Um, of course, they varied from quality to quality, but the, the, for sure the drum was banned. So because of this, you know, when they say got their um, emancipation, the first thing they said was to sing and drum and dance and do all these things and then move and then move out of the plantation. So this is why the, the movement of, of carnival in terms of the procession is important because you're speaking about the, the, the freedom of movement that you did not have before. So Dirty Mass is, so they, they covered themselves with the molasses. So they covered themselves in the very thing that enslaved them for so long. And then they moved. 
And then over time, it, it progressed from molasses um, into paint, powder, chocolate. People got creative. Um, I think the, um, the colored powder comes from, you know, our East Indian um, heritage in the Caribbean as well, from the indentured laborers who came across from India after, um, you know, the end of African enslavement. So we had a huge influx of... Um, indentured laborers from India, and they brought their own influences. This is why you can find curry in the Caribbean. They brought ganja yeah. to the Caribbean. They brought so much. And so this is where you'd see the, the colored powder and so on. But um, the, so that's what dirty mask is. And then, you know, in, in so that's, you, you do dirty mask before you do pretty mask. It's never, it's, it's never the other way. That is what it is. But a, a, a variant of dirty mask is, um, Jab Jab. So Jab Jab is something that you find specifically in Grenada where they cover themselves in black oil. So the, the black oil, um, so the Jab is in homage to an enslaved who fell into a vat of molasses. Trinidad has its own version called Jab Molassi. But um, within that, the spirit of this enslaved person who died um, falling in the, um, it is my favorite part, the Timas is my favorite part too. Um, the, the spirit of this enslaved comes back to haunt you, right? Or it's haunting the enslavers, or this is haunting the community and so on. So they, when you look at Jab Jab, you see covering yourself in the black oil, okay? So the black oil is to make you more black. So it's to emphasize your Africanness. It's to make you, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a homage African ancestry. When you see Jab also, you see them with like chains and locks. That is in reference to slavery as well. Then also you see sometimes they will have like a dead fish hanging out their mouth or a dead octopus, like, or you see them pushing like, like a pig's head in a pram. They're doing things to shock um, intentionally shock the crowd. That is something that was, that's, it's, it's with intention because it's to show that, you know, we were oppressed for so long and you said that we were vulgar and we were heathenish, but I'm going to show you vulgar and heathenish now. So it's, it's yeah. just, it is, it is on purpose. So, um, so yeah, that's what, so there's a lot of intricacies within Dirty Mass, but aside from that historical part, because I only learned this history part, um, within the past few years, but I grew up participating and loving Dirty Mass. And it's because it is just the freedom of getting completely dirty. Like you just, you come in an old t-shirt, an old pair of shorts, old shoe, and everyone is the same. And you have an old plastic bag on your head or whatever to cover your hair. Mm -hmm. And we just, it is just, you just revel in, getting dirty and the music, you're not thinking about what you look like, you're not really taking selfies, you're not self-conscious. And, you know, a lot of people have said they have found themselves through Dirty Mass because, you know, living day-to-day -day life where you are um, constantly curating yourself, you're constantly looking at yourself, you're constantly wondering what people think about you. In Dirty Mass, you don't care. You honestly don't. So that's why I find um, in many ways dirty mass um, more liberating than pretty mass because everyone is dirty. Everyone is filthy. Everyone is like faceless because we all look the same. And, you know, there's it's not about money or class or anything like that. So, you know, dirty mass um, is a very, very important part of carnival. Um, and then after Dirty Mass, you go home. So this Dirty Mass normally happens in the Caribbean, normally happens early in the morning. Um, mm -hmm. So Jouvet, 
is what it's, it's called also. So Jouvet, which means daybreak. And then you go home, you shower, and you put on your pretty costume. So you transition it from one life into the next. So that's, that's yeah, I, I absolutely love Dirty Mass. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I definitely learned a lot. And I think it's super empowering, as you say, like the freedom aspect of that and how people can really find themselves uh, and find find other people as well in that in that freeing um, environment. So thank you for sharing, Fiona. I really appreciate it. Um, my other question today is just about how you yourself um, have got into the creative industries. Like you've just come back from a shoot, you're an educator, you have this Instagram platform. <laughs> I'm wondering how like that all started for you. Um, boy, uh, I I think I knew from like when I was a teenager growing up in St. Lucia, I wanted to be an artist. I thought at the time I wanted to be a painter and I had this beautiful loft and just paint all these pretty pictures. And then I moved to the UK and I saw all of these artists hustling on the street. Mm-hmm. And I felt like oh, there's no way I'm not as good as them and they're on the street hustling. I'm screwed. So I'm like, what could I do? So I went into I went into photography because I felt like it would be like a safe way to still be creative, but I'm still like employable where I can get a steady income and stuff. So mm-hmm. I studied that and I um I practiced as a photographer full time for several years. And it was great. Um, but you know, I still one of the things that you know frustrated me when I was in uni here is I felt like um, our stories were not being told properly. I felt that you know the, the narrative, um, the narrative of um, Caribbean history and culture and, and, and our identity has been very is has been has a very reductive approach to it. So I just wanted to start telling our stories out there in our own way. You know, I was just having a discussion with um, my friend because I'm, I'm at her house right now that. Um, you know, it's kind of looking through things like, you know, like when you go to a lot of these creative institutions, you know, your tutors are normally white men. So you are being taught how to be creative through the white lens. And I felt that I needed to the white male lens and gaze and you, you, you respond to, to you respond in this way. And it's about kind of um, coming out of that. And it's not, it is, you You operate regardless of that. So I've always been focused on telling our story. So no matter what I do, I'm always, the focus, the underlying focus is always kind of correct representation and making our community have something, um, a catalog of amazingness that we can connect to. And that's specifically ours but it can also be enjoyed by everyone, but something that's for us because we don't have that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, you. it's so, you, especially living in the UK, you have to go through like a specific effort to find yourself. You have to go for specific effort to find right. your cuisine. You have to go for specific effort. You have to go to this all across, you know, town to find like, you know, travel an hour or two to find this one thing that you need. And, you know, that's, it's it can be very demotivated so it's within the creative industry like i i um photography i went into film because that's just an extension of our storytelling um you know i, I do hand painted clothing and stuff like that because i just love like colors and brightness mm-hmm. and everything so and that it, that in itself is storytelling too because it's like you know, like, you know, uh, UK is so gray and stuff and I need something to remind me of me. So, sure. yeah, so I think um, 
within that, so everything I do is, is storytelling in different ways. And I guess I, if I like something, I'll just do it. Yeah. And also I will just, um, that's, that's pretty much how my journey has been. So with New York Caribbean, that's just another extension of my photography, my film work, but everything is storytelling. Wow. Thank you for sharing. I think it's super inspiring how like you found the like multiple different platforms to storytell, whether that is through imagery or photography or video making or fashion, or obviously like this Instagram platform. So yeah, I think that is really inspiring. So thank you. Um, and I just have one more question for you today. And it's where people can go to find out more about your work for Know Your Caribbean and also in Notting Hill Carnival. Okay, big up just vibes in the house. We have an event tomorrow, actually. So that's one of the places you can find um, you can find us. So um, we'll be doing a kind of trivia giveaway with uh, just vibes. We're doing a social distancing um, carnival event because um, we still wanted to do something for the season and still obviously maintain that we are safe and so on. So that's tomorrow. If you head to just vibes Instagram, you'll find out all the details. But I will definitely be there. And the Caribbean will be doing some kind of a presentation tomorrow. But um, outside of that, also, you know, the Instagram, um, Noya Caribbean. I also have the website, noyacaribbean.com. Um, I'm on Twitter as well. And um, But I'm also, like, contactable in terms of if you want to have, do workshops, if it be it online or in person, now that things are starting to open up. Um, and, yeah, so that's, that's, that's where you can find me. So. Thank you, Fiona. Thanks so much for joining today. It's My pleasure. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Today's episode was made possible by Voice Magazine, an online platform for young people interested in art and culture. You can read Voice over at voicemag.uk and find it on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook as voicemag.uk. The Voice contributors are also on Instagram over at voice.extra. If you are looking for another podcast to listen to, the contributors release the Voice Extra podcast every Saturday, where they talk about the pieces they've produced and the culture they've been enjoying. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us to make more with a donation of any amount at voicemag.uk forward slash donate. Thanks to Kevin McLeod for the use of the track Thief in the Night. You can find more of his work in incompetech.com. Tom Innes was the executive producer.